Governor Kim Reynolds, Bully in Chief. What a week. My name is Matt Sinovic. I'm the Executive Director of Progress Iowa. I'm normally joined by Ivy Beckenhold, our Digital and Communications Director, but she is off today, so hopefully I will not burn the place to the ground. Um, but welcome to What a Week with hot takes about the week's news and shout outs for people doing good in the world. This week we talk with Senator Zach Walls. We talk about a shadowy out of state group influencing uh, Iowa's laws and the CDC's big mask announcement. But we're going to start with our bully in chief, Governor Kim Reynolds, who this week announced that Iowa was going to join uh, a number of other states who are declining to participate in the federal unemployment program, which means that starting here uh, um, in just a few weeks, um, Iowans who are on unemployment, looking for work, um, and still most of them still just struggling um, as a result of, of this once-in-a-century global pandemic, are going to be cut off from an extra $300 a week because the governor says so. Um, this is the latest in a string of decisions that has the governor just bullying her constituents. Um, and it's the exact opposite of what Iowans believe in and what we care about um, as a state. I mean, we, we have seen this time after time. I mean, we roll up our sleeves and help each other out, whether it was after the derecho, after floods, in other times of crisis. Our natural instinct is to take care of each other and be good neighbors. But that is not what the governor is doing, and that is not how she has has operated in office. Um, and so, this decision, which will impact more than uh, uh, as of a couple months ago, will impact uh, more than thirty thousand people in our state. Um, that'll mean twelve hundred dollars less a month for groceries, medicine, um, bills, car payment, whatever uh, expenses are needed for for families. When they're when they're still looking for work, and and it's just it's it's a terrible decision um, that that she's making in an effort to try and I don't know encourage people to get back to work. Although these people are looking for work, you're required to be looking for work to get unemployment uh, benefits. So it's just the latest decision. She is on record as supporting a transgender ban on kids playing in sports, uh, uh, transgender kids playing in sports, um, uh, bullying kids in that way. Um, and she turned down nearly $100 million in resources for uh, schools to reopen safely with COVID. So um, just making decisions that, that are really putting uh, Iowans on their heels, um, whether it's... Uh, not being able to go to school or, or, or making it harder to go to school safely. Um, once, they, once our kids get in school, uh, bullying them out of playing sports, certain kids. And if their parent, if, if, if uh, Iowans are out of work, making their lives more difficult. That is not what we expect from our governor. That's not what we expect from each other. Um, that's, not how we, that's not how we treat each other. So we hope that, that the governor will um, we'll kind of turn on a turn on a dime here, but but I'm 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 not uh, not particularly hopeful um, or, or not particularly uh, optimistic that that's actually going to happen. She's just shown this pattern of bullying for 
for far too long, and um, and it's really really disappointing. The next story that we want to talk about is a shadowy out-of-state group that has infiltrated the legislature or did so earlier this year and now is caught on tape bragging about it. Um, the Heritage Foundation is a, a decades-old uh, right-wing uh, quote-unquote think tank um, uh, that, that pushes that, push, that pushes extreme conservative policy at a state level, and then makes it easier to for for other states to share that share those policies and try to implement them. So what they do is they'll take a bad bill like the voter suppression law in Iowa, and then try and get it done in other places too. Um, <laughs> and and their executive director in a report that just came out um, uh, that just came out um, published by Mother Jones. There's leaked video where she, where their executive director is bragging, bragging about uh, how easy it was to get Iowa's voter suppression law passed earlier this year, um, saying that it was done with very little fanfare and that her and her team looked around afterwards and thought, oh, we can't believe how easy this was to suppress the right of Iowans to vote. Um, so we're going to play the video clip now. And, and then I'll talk about it a little bit more on the other side. Iowa was the first state that we got to work in and we did it quickly and we did it quietly. Honestly, nobody noticed. At the end of the day, the bill that Governor Kemp signed and the Georgia legislature marshaled through had eight key provisions that Heritage recommended. This leaked video reveals how Heritage is leading a massive right-wing campaign to suppress voting rights in key battleground states like Georgia, Arizona, Florida, and Iowa just this year. We're working with these state legislators to make sure they have all of the information they need to draft the bills. In some cases, we actually draft them for them, or we have a sentinel on our behalf, give them the model legislation. Wow, now if you are not just objectively offended by someone who does not live in our state, who represents unknown, you know, corporate interests coming in and insidiously just uh, uh, infecting our policymaking process, then I don't know what to tell you because this is not how uh, government is supposed to operate. I mean, when we learned about when you learned about the three branches of government in school, it's the executive, legislative, and and judicial branches. There was no Heritage Foundation. There was no um, corporate right wing out of state uh, um, group involved in that process. It's about our elected officials getting input from their constituents and doing the job that we sent them there to do, not uh, not someone else, not representing some other uh, some other uh, uh, fringe interest. And what they have done here is turned our democracy on its head. First, in the process by which they put this law into place, they're getting input from all the wrong people, not their constituents. And secondly, they've turned our democracy on its head because of the law that they passed. The intention here uh, with this voter suppression law that was signed in March uh, by the governor is to, is to make it harder for people to vote. They shrunk the early voting time. It has already resulted in nearly 300,000 voters being put on inactive status by the Secretary of State. Um, and, and it's going to cause all kinds of issues with people who are trying to cast a legal ballot um, and, and, and it's going to hamper our ability to conduct fair elections. 
So once they did this, they took, Iowa was apparently the first state where the Heritage Foundation did this, and they took their, uh, this law and then, and then copied and pasted it. But once they were able to get it done here, they copied and pasted it into a number of other states, made some changes depending on the state, but this was the trial, we were the, we were the, um, the trial run for them, and it went so smoothly that they did it in other places like Georgia, which has become the poster child for for bad voter suppression laws this year. But it was actually done in Iowa first. So what can be done now? I mean, uh, Progress Iowa is exploring the possibility of filing <coughs> open records requests, um, and I know that there's there are others who are considering uh, filing ethics complaints against potentially the Heritage Foundation and potentially some legislators. For, for their actions here. So there will be more to follow on this, but but this is just a, a, a completely um, upending of, of our democratic institutions because this is not how this is supposed to work. We end our headlines this week with some good news. Uh, the CDC this week has put out new guidance on on mask, uh, on 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 where and when people need to wear masks and have lifted a lot of the restrictions on where people with, uh, who are vaccinated, um, where they need to wear masks. So, um, uh, I'm fully vaccinated and I was very excited to see this, this new guidance put out, um, that you can go into places safely without wearing a mask for the most part, uh, would encourage you to actually read the, the, the full guidance. Um, and, um, and remember that, that, even though you are vaccinated, if you do wear a mask, you're protecting other people, uh, not necessarily yourself. So I know that some people are still going to wear that mask, and that's up to that's up to them. Um, but the CDC's new mask guidance was was incredibly exciting. One about the you know the way that we can go about our lives, but two just because it's the late to me it was the latest sign that things are getting better on the whole and and that uh, and that we hopefully are still seeing the light at the end of the tunnel here um, I don't think that that this decision would have or this guidance would have been released if that was not the case that there wasn't progress being made um, made on the whole so if you haven't been vaccinated yet please go out and get vaccinated you can do so at a number of places um, and and would encourage you to uh, read the CDC's guidance uh, read the CDC's guidance um, as you're as you're venturing out uh, into the world. In this week's interview, I was very excited to talk with uh, Iowa Senator Zach Walls, the Democratic leader in the Iowa Senate. We talked about everything from the shadowy right wing group infiltrating our uh, legislature to the governor's unemployment decision, and of course, we tackled the topic on most people's minds that follow the legislature: is will it ever end, and when? So up next is my discussion with Iowa Senator Zach Walls. But we are thrilled to have uh, Senator Zach Walls, the Democratic leader in the Iowa Senate, with us on What a Week. So Senator Walls, thank you for joining us. What a week. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Every week it's, you know, uh, it it could either be taken good or, you know, uh, phrased in a good way or a bad way, and and but too often, this a lot, especially a this lot of, legislative session, yeah, <laughs> yeah, a lot of a lot of uh, wild weeks, no doubt about it, right? Or like heavy sighing, like uh, what a week, <sighs> you know? um, yeah, hundred <laughs> um, percent. 
but we are very grateful that uh, <laughs> that you're joining us. Um, and um, we're recording on Friday, um, but just yesterday, we want to jump into the breaking news. Really, within the last, uh, within less than the last 24 hours, and that is that um, that the Heritage Foundation. Uh, there's a leaked video, and for those that, that haven't seen it yet, um, there's the, the Heritage Foundation, which is a national, uh, very right-wing um, dark money group, is claiming credit for writing uh, a lot of the voter suppression law that passed earlier this session. And in part of the video, their executive director even talks about kind of jokingly laughing, basically laughing at us at Iowa um, for how easy it was to infiltrate uh, the Republicans in the Senate and the House to get them to write this bill for them. So yeah, it is shock. I mean, I was floored. I mean, the direct quote, Iowa is the first state that we got to work in and we did it quickly and we did it quietly. Little fanfare. Honestly, nobody even noticed. My team looked at each other and were like, it can't be that easy. I mean, <clears throat> I mean first of all, shocking right and then second of all nobody from heritage action registered on this bill which means right. it seems totally possible to me that they have broken the law because if you're going to be a special interest group you're lobbying with working on a bill you have to disclose that publicly that's the whole basis of our campaign ethics uh, system and so i think there's very much an open question here was the law broken by heritage action we need a full and I would say comprehensive investigation as to whether or not the law was broken, what kind of correspondence did Heritage Action have with the authors of this law? Were they working directly, trying to influence the Legislative Services Agency? There are a huge number of questions here, and we need answers. And on the in the Senate, it was Senator Smith, right? It was the, one of the primary... Uh... That, that's correct. He's the chairman okay. of the State Government Committee, and is, is he... Uh, never misses an opportunity to go after Iowa's election law. He has been one of, I would say, frankly, the national leaders of, of Republican state legislators working mm. to restrict access to the ballot box. I know that Georgia, obviously, and I assume a lot of your listeners got the kind of the full story on what happened down there. Georgia got a lot of the attention, and rightly so, given its pivotal role in the presidential election. But Iowa's law was actually longer it happened faster and with much, much less fanfare, as, frankly, the Heritage Foundation's uh, executive director pointed out. Right, and I th and and it happened first or earlier Correct. than Correct. and um, so in a very uh, frustrating way, we were trendsetters or setting the they they they, they did it here and then use that as a or we we think use that as a. Uh, uh, a blueprint for for what to do in Georgia and in other states. That's exactly right. Um, so what? So you talked about needing an investigation. Where would that? Can you talk about like where that? What what would be the next step here, and what that could look like? Um, uh, it's probably a little bit early to to know exactly how that's going to work, but but how would it? How would this proceed if uh, yeah. if it's investigate to the fullest extent possible. Well, well, we're certainly exploring our options. I mean, we need to know what kind of correspondence was happening behind closed doors, over email, phone calls. I mean, if Heritage Action was actually lobbying on this bill without disclosing that to the public, again, um, 
potential violations of the law. Jessica Anderson obviously has a lot of questions to answer. She's out here bragging to her donors about all these things that they did. And and the people of Iowa know, they deserve to know the truth about what happened here. Um, so we're, we're going to, you know, explore our, our options to the fullest extent that we can. Um, we certainly think that uh, this is, you know, some something pretty close to a smoking gun uh, in terms of, of what the the influence was on Iowa election law. And, you know, Iowans deserve to know the truth. If Republicans are outsourcing their job to conservative, you know, activists in Washington, D.C., and that's having an impact on Iowans' ability to vote, we have to know that. Um, and by and the way, is... to any listeners, uh, Robbie Smith is going to be on the ballot in 2022. So if you're in Scott County, um, this is the guy who's representing you in the Iowa Senate, and we're going to have the chance to uh, to, to send a message about um, whether or not we think this is appropriate behavior in, in 2022. There you go. Um, well, we will certainly stay tuned and see what uh, what develops um, from our perspective. We're looking at uh, some doing some open records requests to see how we can get to some of that information. But I know that there'll be many other pieces of this uh, unfolding over the next uh, uh, probably over the next few days or, or and in coming weeks. So. Um, I will probably check back in with you as that as that goes on if that's if if that works. Um, um, the next next thing that that I think is on everyone's mind, and we'll talk about uh, uh, one. I want to get to one other issue that a big decision the governor made this week. But when the heck is the legislature going to be done? Hey, if you know, <laughs> I would appreciate you giving me the heads up. I, I don't I don't think that I've got any clarity. There's a rumor going around that we may be done next week. Okay. But, I, you know, that's conjecture at this point. Sure. You know, I think that there's I, my hope would certainly be that we're done next week, but we don't know that for sure. So there's um, an open question on that. I mean, look, it's a family feud situation. Republicans are fighting with each other over taxes and the budget and some some additional policy items so you know it's it's a question of bad or worse and it's not really clear how this is going to shake out you know a few a few things that are kind of in in contention the first is are republicans going to remove what's called the backfill which is a fancy way of saying state payments to local governments cities counties school boards on their um, property tax rolls there was a there was a a change that the legislature made five or six years ago that that basically um, lowered the amount of of property tax that commercial property owners pay, and the state has essentially reimbursed cities, counties, and school districts for that difference. And of course, this is deeply ironic because at the time the promise was made, hey, we're going to backfill you on this property tax change. Republicans now want to break that promise, and in the same breath, Republicans in the Senate anyway are saying. <clears throat> In addition to that, we now want to change the, the mental health property tax levy that counties can levy. And don't worry, the state will, we're making a promise to you, we're going to pick up the tab at the state level. Right. So just to make that shell game clear, they're breaking one promise that was made by the legislature in the past. And now they're, they're quote unquote, making a future promise that'll go into the future. So and people can see the shells being moved around here, right? And so this is just another example. You know, Republicans really, in my view, um, can't be trusted to to run the government in a way that keeps promises that are being made into the future. Because these Republicans don't feel bound by the promises of the previous previous legislature, and that'll certainly be true going into the future. 
Well, and it's money that that uh, that these local governments rely on, and um, correct, and, and and really getting the rug pulled out from under them, or it would be getting the rug. Yeah, pulled I mean, out Matt, them. we're we're in the tail end now of you know the worst global pandemic since the the great influenza. We know that there are enormous mental health challenges that our state is facing. So, like now more than ever. We need robust support of our state's mental health system. And at that exact moment, Republicans are proposing a Des Moines takeover of our state mental health system and to take to take those dollars out of local government and to instead concentrate them with the state government and say, hey, no problem. You know, we're, we're going to we're going to sign this check. Um, but as we're seeing with the backfill, uh, sometimes those checks bounce. Right. <laughs> um, so in addition to the backfill. There, you hear a lot of discussion about, uh, and 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 uh, I've heard the phrase "zombie bills" get thrown around, where like things could come back or get introduced or tacked on as amendments in the last few days, uh, week of the of session. One such proposal is the uh, bullying. Uh, we call it, we're calling it the bullying of transgender kids and uh, trying to keep them from playing sports. But uh, whether it's that or are there are there other other proposals that that we should all be on the lookout for that could happen very quickly um, that we need to add that that people who are interested would might want to advocate to stop or or I guess to promote if there are good things uh, coming up although that seems less than likely uh, with this crew and uh, the majority but uh, yeah are the things that in the last few days here or weeks that that we should be on the lookout for. I, I would call this the Game of Thrones rule of the <laughs> Iowa Senate. What is dead may never die. And that's very All much right. very much where we are. Any of your listeners who are, are Games of Thrones fans will uh will get the, the Ironborn reference. But you know, essentially through the amendment process, you can have amendments, bills that were previously dead can be resurrected and the session's not over until the session's over. And so the anti-transgender kids uh, proposal is certainly one of those things. I've made very clear that we oppose that. Our hope is that <clears throat> that does not move forward. You know, the, the governor bringing that up again on that Fox News town hall was incredibly unfortunate. And, and just another example of how this party, the Republican Party, has, is doing everything that they can to cut off growth of our state and and to make Iowa a more attractive place for people to move to, to call home, to raise a family, to grow up. And it's, you know, I would say part of their anti-family agenda. Um, and, you know, they've been dragging their feet on childcare. They've been dragging their feet on affordable housing. They're going after teenagers who are, and to be very clear, already dealing with like all the challenges of being a teenager, like generally, and then being a teenager amid a global pandemic broadly, and then specifically a group that's already facing a lot of marginalization, especially outside of um, urban areas, but even within urban areas. I mean, this is something that I always have to remind people, like growing up with lesbian parents like I did, even in Iowa City, which is like the most liberal town in right. Iowa, was really hard at times. And it's obviously a completely different set of challenges having lesbian parents versus kind of having uh, questions about your gender identity or what have you, but having a government that's stepping in to make those challenges worse, not better, is exactly yeah. the wrong direction to go. And I mean, to 
I know we we were talking a little bit more broadly about all these potential proposals, but on this one specifically, like I think I I don't know if you want to if if you feel comfortable speaking about like how this even just discussing it and you, and having our governor use a national platform on Fox News to to push this kind of discriminatory uh, or float this kind of discriminatory policy, the impact that that can have on families and kids across the state. Yeah. I mean, look, parents are busy with a lot of other stuff right now and like have to defend your kid, your trans kid from like the governor. I mean, that's just awful. And, and so it's bad for kids. It's bad for parents. It's bad for families. It's bad for communities. And by the way, this whole thing is about dividing Iowans and pitting us against each other to distract from the fact that amid this crisis, Republicans have ignored the pandemic. They've mismanaged the crisis. They're doing everything that they can to to give out, you know, policy wins to their special interest groups that fund their campaigns. They're despite all of the rhetoric about woke capitalism or whatever, they're obsessively focused on on the doing the interest of their corporate donors, um, while also simultaneously going around the state attacking the real engines of economic growth. They're going after our, our institutions of higher education with all of these anti-education measures, the attacks on tenure, the the witch trials, witch hunts that they went through and and um, fake trials and in terms of Black Lives Matter and what have you. Um, and then also, I mean, frankly, uh, trying to, you know, impose their vision, quote unquote, of free speech, quote unquote, with uh, large tech platforms. Look, there's certainly conversations to be had about monopolies with Twitter and Google and Facebook sure. and whatever. But the idea that conservatives are being censored for their political views is, I mean, <laughs> it's a joke. I mean, not a single yeah. conservative has been censored. I mean, Jake Chapman tweeted at Donald Trump Jr. a Des Moines Register article about his bill, you know, on Twitter or whatever. If Twitter was censoring conservatives, Senator Chapman would not be able to tweet at Donald Trump Jr., period. It's yeah, a joke. I, 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 right. Yeah, I, I just uh, I see plenty of uh, of Republicans and conservatives tweeting, posting, uh, sharing all of that. So I um, I would agree. I, I think it's a. Um, it's it's definitely a tactic of theirs to uh to try and drum up uh some anger among their among their that, folks. That's exactly what it is. It's a tactic that they use to pit Iowans against each other and to distract from what they're really doing behind closed doors. Yeah. Um well something that happened in plain daylight this week was the governor's decision to cut off uh unemployment support or the federal the the federal unemployment support um uh, for <laughs> for Iowans who are still looking for work, um, and I just want to get your take on that. Uh, it was seemed just abhorrent um, and opposite of what what we should be doing. But uh, I know you felt pretty strongly about it and been talking about it this week uh, as well. Yeah, that, that's exactly right. I, I mean, look, and it's a great illustration of of what I'm talking about. By the way, um, Republicans are doing this to try and score political points and to to try to stick it to President Biden and the incredible work that he's doing at the federal level. That, and I understand there's a lot of rhetoric around this, but essentially what Republicans are doing are implying that Iowans are lazy and that Iowans are just sitting on the couch cashing an unemployment check when anybody who knows any Iowan knows that is not the case. 
people have left the workforce to take care of their children. They've left the workforce because they have immunocompromised health systems. They've left the workforce because this governor has mismanaged the pandemic from day one. And we also know that economic research from the Chicago Federal Reserve, not exactly like a liberal hotbed or you know right. progressive think tank, they have done research that shows very, very clearly that with unemployment insurance benefits, those correlate to more intense job searches, the exact opposite of what Republicans have asserted. A lot of rhetoric, but the facts are clear. People who are receiving unemployment benefits search more intensely for new work than when they're not receiving those benefits. They search much less intensely when those benefits run out, and they receive better job offers when they're receiving UI benefits. And the reason for that is really simple. If you have a little bit of economic security, it's a lot easier for you to have the mental headspace and the energy and, and the ability to get out there and look for that next position. If you don't have that and you're just like, you're, you're worried, you're freaking out about how am I going to make rent? How am I going to buy food? How am I taking care of my family? It's so much harder to focus on that next employment opportunity, which is common sense, uh, but Republicans don't seem to be interested in that these days. Yeah, I, uh, I don't know if there's going to be any change. I saw some uh, information. Uh, I've, I've not seen how, <laughs> how this could develop yet, but the fact that, that from a federal standpoint, there may, they, there may be a potential to challenge this because the federal government is providing this insurance. It's not a program that necessarily states can opt out of. I don't know how that how that would play out, but have you heard anything uh, along those lines? Is it I, like, does she have I, the authority I, to do this? Or Yeah, I, I haven't one way or okay. the other, but I would absolutely be interested in learning more about it if, if that sure. is in fact an option. I mean, again, and by the way, like this is what's so frustrating. It's in the governor's best political interest to to accept. I mean, this is federal money um, that I, by the way, Iowa taxpayers contribute to, um, and 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 businesses contribute to, and she's essentially saying it's cutting off her nose to spite the face. Absolutely, it reminds me of the. Um, we haven't had you on since she declined the ninety-five million for schools right. to. That's right. Open safely, but it's, it seems it's so similar to that. Um, where it's like, why, why reject help? Why reject this support um, that uh, uh, when it's available? So that's right. And and it's all about again sticking to President Biden, playing politics rather than focusing on the crisis and trying to get our state back to normal. Um, it's it's really disappointing, and Iowans deserve better. Um, well, I, I want to ask before we let you go, this is your first session as, as the Democratic leader, and I, I want to, as we're winding, hopefully winding down here, uh, any, what's your biggest, uh, what are some big takeaways that you've had after your first, or you're not quite to the end, but at the end of your, uh, near the end of the first session? Well, it's, it's certainly been a, a challenging session in many ways. My first session as leader. Uh, an extended session with COVID and, and trying to, to legislate in a way that's that's safe for my caucus. Um, you know, in it's look, it's it's just a tough situation politically, Republican trifecta. Um, so obviously, we've been doing our very best to listen to our constituents, make sure that we're bringing their perspectives forward in the debates that we've been having. I think we've done a really nice job this session of really sharpening our message and making sure that when we're having a lot of these controversial debates, uh, we're all singing from the same hymnal as, 
you know, you know, uh, de- Democrats, sometimes we, we struggle a little bit with their messaging, but I think we've, we've done a really nice job this session of staying on the same page, working together. And so I'm really pleased with the progress that we've made there. Um, you know, we're finishing a comprehensive debrief process on the 2020 election cycle. My, my predecessor, Senator Janet Peterson, did an incredible job holding even in the state Senate uh, while simultaneously over in the House, Democrats lost six seats. Uh, we knew that it was going to be an uphill map for us in, in 2020. Um, and so, you know, we've been really focused on trying to learn the, the positive lessons from 2020 while also preparing uh, for 2022 because we can't just fight the last war. And then the last thing that I know your listeners have been really tuned into is redistricting. We've we've been right. from the I think maybe Matt one of the very first conversations we had after I was elected leader was about redistricting and what yep. what is the process going to look like and how can we make sure that we get fair maps. I'm really pleased to report that it does look like we are going to get fair maps. We've been working tirelessly behind the scenes to protect Iowa's model redistricting process from partisan interference. And the the federal government has had some delays in sending that data down to the states because of the. Cha- I mean, you know, in all fairness, the challenges of of conducting a census amid a global pandemic uh, right. would be would be tough for a competent administration. Nearly impossible <laughs> for an incompetent administration. And so um, the the Biden folks are going to be getting us that federal census data later this year, likely in September. And then the, the legislative services agency will will likely get to work. The state supreme court will play a really instrumental role at that point, and it's a little, still a little bit up in the air what exactly that will look like. But we do know that, or at least I certainly feel that I would rather have the supreme court quarterbacking this process rather than the Republican majorities in the House and the Senate. So, well, it would make me feel a little more comfortable. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. Yeah, so same. Um, so, those are, any- so those are the big things that I think we've been focused on this session and and that as we get ready to start gearing up for 2022, you know, normally kind of around this time, we'd be starting to have conversations about recruitment and, and candidate identification and all that. It's a little bit more difficult just because of the, the delays in the researching process, uh, but we're certainly not wasting any time starting to rebuild our political infrastructure, working closely with the House, with the state party, um, with our statewide elected officials, with Congresswoman Axney to make sure that we're all on the same page and putting their best foot forward for 2022. Sure. Is there anything that you would go back knowing what you know now, if you could give yourself some advice in the first, you know, in January, uh, what, what would you, what would you say? Well, look, I mean, the session is, you know, it, it's all kind of um, just learning the process, learning how things work. So I don't know necessarily if there's specific I think all these lessons are lessons that you can only really learn experientially. You got to really kind of go through it. Uh, the only way through is through. So, uh, no, I, I don't at this, you know, I, I'm sure that if you ask me, you know, um, 12 months from now or whatever, you know, yeah. it, it's going to be the exact same process in the interim, right? You just, you gotta, you gotta learn, you gotta, you gotta do the best that you can. And, and, um, you know, it's just, making, I, I think it's learning is, is a really important part of the, the, the process. So I'm, I'm excited about, um, where, uh, uh, where, where we're going as a state party. I know that it's really easy to look back on the last four years and feel like, oh my gosh, I was a red state, you know, there's no hope into the future. And that's just really not the case. I mean, I think a lot of folks forget that we, Iowa was a very Republican state for a long time. We roared back the democratic party in the nineties and early two thousands. Uh, the pendulum has obviously swung back the other way a little bit. 
uh, we, we got a long, long ways to go before we're uh, anything resembling Nebraska. Uh, so uh, we got we a lot of ball game left. For sure. Well, we appreciate you being here and appreciate that last little dig at Nebraska, too. So um, go thank Hawks. You for, thank you for joining us um, on What a Week. And uh, yeah, just look forward to continued great work and, of course, to this session finally, finally coming to a conclusion. So thanks again for being here. Yeah, good to be with you, Matt. Finally, we have our shout outs where we lift up great work happening all over the state. Please send your recommendations to at Progress Iowa or at Potluck FM. Uh, we have a couple of shout outs this week. One is there's some really great work being done by journalists uh, uh, nationally and in the state. Um, but this week's uh, leaked video of the Heritage Foundation was uncovered by um, by some journalists who were really spending their time trying to figure out what is actually going on across the country as, as these voter suppression laws and other laws are being uh, picked up. So we appreciate um, every reporter who's out there doing their best to, um, to, to make sense of what is happening in our state and our country right now. Um, and the second shout out is just to every activist, every, um, every uh, progressive organization and every Iowan who's still paying attention to this legislative session as it has gone on and on and on and is still out there fighting the good fight. We see you. We appreciate you. We will continue to ask for your help, but we, we cannot thank you enough for what you're doing. What a Week is produced by Progress Iowa as part of the Potluck Media Network and would not be possible without grassroots supporters like you. We are mixed and edited by Greg Hallenstein. For more information, visit potluck.fm. Find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to leave us a five-star review and subscribe. See you next week on What a Week. What a Week.